So before we kind of dive in, as everyone should know at this point, unless you were a new listener, in which case, welcome. Maddie and I are both not originally from Minnesota, but have spent a lot of time living in Minnesota. I still live in Minnesota and she is temporarily in Wisconsin. And Mm -hmm. we are very aware of what happened in Brooklyn Center. I actually used to live in Brooklyn Center for quite a number of years prior to this incident taking place. As two white girls, there's only so much we can say about this event. We have no real understanding of what it is like to be a person of color in America today. In Minnesota today, this week was a tough, a tough week and a very sad week for Minnesotans and for people of color. The situation that happened with Dante Wright is not a situation I can even fathom. There's a difference between protesting and rioting. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we need to stop protesting. We riot because no one's letting us protest. Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for all of my friends that are out there protesting peacefully and are creating resources so that people in Brooklyn Center can still have fresh food and toiletries because a lot of those stores are still shut down or closed out of fear of looting. That being said, we are a safe space. We recognize how broken the system is and how important it is that we fix it. The Oracle Network. And welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Sango. Hello. Hi. How's it going? It's going. Yeah? Fully vaccinated? I am now fully vaccinated. Same. It's kind of a whirlwind week recovering from it. Yeah, I was telling Maddie before we started that... After my second shot, I slept for pretty much 24 hours Mm -hmm. after my body was like, hey, all of your joints feel like your body's trying to pull itself apart and it hurts to move and or walk up and down stairs. You should just lie down. Sleep. Go to bedtime. And I did. That's good. And I woke up feeling much better. That's good. Yeah. um, As a diabetic, just to give kind of some context. A normal blood sugar for somebody is about 80 to 110, generally speaking. And so I try to keep, so I don't get too low, I try to keep at like 110 to 150 generally at all times. And your blood sugars tend to increase if your body is fighting an infection. So after my second shot, I took the next day off of work because I knew like I was so exhausted after the first shot, I was probably going to sleep the second time. Uh, That night, my blood sugar started to go up into the 400s and uh, my blood sugars roller coastered from 400 to 80 to 400 to 80 for like 32 hours after the vaccine. And I felt like total snot. I felt like I just got beat up. After that like period of time, my blood sugars just magically snapped back and I was totally fine. Yeah, I slept through most of it too, aside from like pounding Gatorade zeros. 
drinking my blood sugar down and then pounding regular Gatorades. My blood sugar was too low. So this week's episode is dedicated to Madeline from Crematorium. Hey. We are going to be talking about the 13 Club. Sounds mysterious. Like a magician bikers or a tarot witches that like have a, a farm to table restaurant. You are wrong. <laughs> that would be delightful though, if that was true. Yeah. So information for this episode was pulled from the following sources. A 2020history.com article, a 2018 Medium article on the Practical Mythologist blog, 2018 Sweet Americana Sweethearts blog post by Catherine Albright, a 2017 Atlas Obscura article by Kara Guillamo, a 2017 Live Science article by Stephanie Pappas, 2015 The Paris Review article by Sadie Stein, 2015 Museum of the City of New York blog post by Susanna Broles. 2013 Business Insider article by Stacey Conrad, 2012 New York Historical Society Museum and Library blog post by Joseph Ditta, NewYorkTimes.com, and Wikipedia. Damn. Yeah. That's a lot of research. <laughs> well, <laughs> the reason I do so many is because they each only had like bits and pieces. So I had to go mm. to a lot of different places to create the full picture. So you had to do like the, the stereotypical like murder mystery map. Yeah. You just have like the yarn and the website. Yeah. Just... I went full Charlie Day on this episode with all the strings. I pieced it all together. I pieced it all together. <laughs> nice. And links to all these articles will be included in the show notes. We all know about the superstition associated with the number 13. Hotels purposefully don't have a 13th floor. Friday the 13th has become synonymous with bad luck. And there's yep. even a name for the fear of the number 13, Trisidicophobia. Okay, so the 13 Club still could be a farm-to-table restaurant since all of this is in New York. So my theory still stands. Well, we'll see how, how, uh, how well it stands up in a few minutes. Okay. It's going to be super wrong, I know. But like, you know that that's something that would be like in Brooklyn. Totally. The tarot-themed farm-to-table restaurant totally. the 13 Club. So why is it so unlucky, the number 13? The Last Supper, mm-hmm. where Jesus ate with his 12 apostles, is said to be one of the origins of the thought that 13 is an unlucky number, since Judas betrayed him, and, and the day after the supper, Jesus was crucified. Isn't that just like a bad, having a bad friend? Well, and the idea that Friday the 13th is bad also has to do with the fact that Jesus was crucified on a Friday, and many believe that Eve gave Adam the infamous apple on a Friday, and that Cain killed his brother Abel on a Friday as well, which I think is all kind of bunk. (laughs) I'm going to call bullshit on that. Well, then why do we say, thank God it's Friday? If God, (laughs) did God make all those things happen? (laughs) Kill my son! It's Friday! (laughs) Ruin my paradise. <laughs> Destroy all of the things. Get some fuck some shit up. Killers of salt. There's also the infamous Norse tale of a gathering of 12 gods in Valhalla, which was gate crashed by our boy Loki, who went on to shoot and kill the god of joy, Balder. You know that story? I mean, that's, that's kind of iconic. That's kind of his thing. Yeah. He's a trickster, that Loki. <laughs> literally, literally a fun killer. 
Yeah. He killed. He's a joy kill. <gasps> he's a kill joy. He literally killed joy. He literally killed joy. Mm-hmm. Next year on Disney Plus. <laughs> kill joy. <laughs> In the late 19th century, a New Yorker sought to fight the stigma associated with this unluckiest of numbers by starting an exclusive society called the 13 Club. Mm. Captain William Fowler who was a great lover and member of secret social organizations, would host 13-course dinners at the Knickerbocker Cottage on the 13th day of the month in room 13 by inviting 12 other guests to join him at the table. Before sitting down, the members were to pass beneath an open ladder and a banner that read Morituri to Salutamus, which is Latin for those of us who are about to die salute you interesting are we sure he wasn't just like an eccentric person with ocd that just fixated on the number 13 no 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 we're gonna go into it okay so why was this so important to the captain yeah fowler who was born in 1827 noted that the number 13 had actually been a good omen for him throughout his life He went to public school number 13 in New York City, which he graduated Mm -hmm. from at the age of 13. He -hmm. built 13 public buildings during his short time as an architect. Okay. He fought in and survived 13 Civil War conflicts on behalf of the Union after enlisting on April 13, 1861, before retiring from military service on August 13, 1863. And he purchased the Knickerbocker Cottage on September 13th, 1863. It also might not surprise you to learn that he was also a member of 13 secret organizations. And he was actually the 13th member of the ancient Arabic order of the nobles of the mystic shrine. Yeah. So he had OCD and everything had to be down on the, on the 13th. Yes. Yeah, it still stands. <laughs> I stand by my feet. Like, he'd be like, I'm starting. Like, he could have, like, realized he wanted to enlist on the 12th, and he was like, perfect. And then he, like, went in the next day. I want to retire on the 13th. <laughs> I want to close on the 13th from the Knickerbocker. Yep. Yeah. Although it took a year for him to round up enough members, the inaugural dinner of the 13 Club took place on Friday, January 13th, 1882 at 8.13 p.m. in room 13 of the Knickerbocker Cottage. There are some places that noted the inaugural meeting slash dinner taking place on September 13, 1881, but Mm -hmm. I'm going based on the majority that I saw during my research. I only saw it noted in like two places that it was in 1881. So I'm going to call bullshit. Okay, fair. Technically, if you waited a year, January would have been the 13th month of looking... This is true. This is true. The attendees enjoyed 13 courses, including a coffin-shaped lobster salad surrounded by 13 crawfish. After issuing 13 toasts, so each of the attendees had to give a toast, and Mm -hmm. chose from a selection of wines from lists shaped like gravestones. Yeah, this is totally a millennial thing. It for real. A New York Times article published after the April 13, 1882 meeting noted that members' unofficial uniform for their gatherings consisted of black suits, neckties, and top hats. One quote states, quote, 
the atmosphere was funereal and suggested a feast at which undertakers only were bidden, end quote. They even enjoyed a cake with a black cat on top. It was just men. For now. Yeah. I'm less interested. Members would enjoy thumbing their nose at superstitions, such as throwing salt over their shoulders, which they were expressly forbidden to do, instead oh. sprinkling it in front of their plates amongst the 13 candles. Members who were late to the dinner would also find themselves fined 13 cents. That's okay. That's such a rich person thing to do. Right. And like the 13 crawfish, I'm still like, that's so expensive. <laughs> yeah. It's all expensive. Okay, sorry. In later meetings, they would open umbrellas inside, sometimes decorate their tables with broken mirror glass, and always entered under an open ladder, as was tradition. The popularity of the club quickly grew, and one dinner in Coney Island brought in 400 attendees. But that's not... It's not divisible by 13, so I don't know what they did there. Is that what ended it? Did it all start on fire? (laughs) We just kick some people out. They're like, there's too yeah. many of you. It's too even. It's too even. Shut damn it down. It. <laughs> get the hell out of here. Down. Go get a corn dog. Yeah. A year after the regular meetings of this exclusive society, the club secretary is quoted as reporting, quote, out of the entire role of membership, whether they have participated or not at the banquet table, not a single member is dead or has even had a serious illness. On the contrary, So far as can be learned, the members during the past 12 months have been exceptionally healthy and fortunate, end quote. Yeah, because they were probably all rich white men (laughs) with OCD (laughs) in the 1800s. Pretty much. I mean, I'd be lucky too. Yeah. At the December 13th, 1886 meeting in New York, Robert Green Ingersoll, who was a lawyer and orator during the golden age of free thought, ended his speech on the superstitions of public men by saying, quote, we have had enough mediocrity, enough policy, enough superstition, enough prejudice, enough provincialism, and the time has come for the American citizen to say, hereafter, I will be represented by men who are worthy, not only of the great republic, but of the 19th century, end quote. That just kind of made me want to vomit a little. I think I threw it in my mouth a little bit. Yeah. Fowler sold the Knickerbocker Cottage on a Friday, April 13, 1883, but the 13 Club continued to run and many copycat clubs popped up around the country, such as in Chicago, with one even opening up as far away as London. Ooh. The London 13 Club, founded by Mr. W.H. Blanche, opened prior to Fowler's back in 1878 and the only member of their secret society to pass away was one who hadn't paid his subscription fees. Ooh, if you're cheap, you die. Yep. No 13 crawfish for you. Nope. Famous author Oscar Wilde patently refused to join the London club, simply stating, quote, I love superstitions. They are the opponent of common sense, end quote. He would. Yep. Both clubs had their fair share of fighting against superstitions. The New York branch even went so far as to solicit local officials to move the usual day of executions from Fridays to another day of the week. An article in the May 14, 1887 edition of the New York Times captured it as follows. And the title of the article is To Whitewash Friday. Chief Justice McAdam 
made the opening speech at the dinner of the 13 Club at Mor- Morelli's in West 28th Street last night, and General Winfield, District Attorney of Hudson County, New Jersey, addressed the diners. Judge Van Brunt sent a letter in which he alluded to the hanging of Smith, saying, quote, In one fixing the day of execution, I determined upon another day than Friday, because I thought it was time the slanders against Friday were stopped, and that the other days of the week should have their fair share of blame, end quote. So it got switched to Mondays. It may surprise you to learn that they actually succeeded in their request. Yeah. I don't know what day got picked next, but it wasn't Friday. Well, Monday sucks, so it must be that one. Yep. (laughs) Hang in there. Here comes Monday. Across the pond, the London branch debunked a curse tied to a stone tablet in Hindhead that commemorated the murder of a sailor at Devil's Punch Bowl. I want to go there. That sounds delightful. Devil's Punch Bowl? Yep. Is it made out of punch? I just picture it as like at a high school dance, the Devil's Punch Bowl. So it's spiked with like expired Bacardi. And uh, it's, out, like, it's just spiked off. with it's all fireball. <laughs> oh, and like watered down fireball because they were trying to trick their parents that they weren't already drinking it. Yep. Or it's got like yag in it. Oh. The stone bore the inscription, quote, cursed be the man who injureth or removeth the stone, end quote. Unsurprisingly, Everyone who took part in moving the stone survived unscathed. Hmm. The London branch also at one point toasted a pair of donkeys who were famously considered unlucky in Sardinia at a luncheon in the Green Park Hotel. There's actually a funny picture of that. Yeah. Fun fact. By 1887, five former U.S. presidents were among the 13 club's ranks. Chester A. Arthur, Grover Cleveland, Benjamin Harrison, William McKinley, and Theodore Roosevelt, although Teddy was made an honorary member. He didn't sign up himself. That checks out. He's too busy. Yeah, he's too busy. (laughs) Winging those sticks and walking softly. It should be noted that two of those members were shot, although only one of them was fatal. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, happens to the best of us, I guess. Captain William Fowler died at his home in Jersey City at 7 a.m., on Monday, July 6th, 1897, after suffering from apoplexy, is that how you say it? In his sleep. I don't know. A-P-O-P-L-E-X-Y. I don't know. He had enjoyed good health up to his unexpected death at the age of 70. So 7-6 is 13. There you go. He did it. <laughs> he did it. He did it he for the very it. end. Good, Good job. job. You did it. You did it. You died, you died right. Yay. Yay. Congratulations. Congratulations, Captain. Yeah. The club did have some spades of bad luck. An unfortunate Uh-oh. waiter received a skull fracture at a meeting when the ladder that the guests walked under collapsed on him. Bummer. A New Jersey clubhouse was at one point blown up with dynamite. But miraculously, all of the members survived with just a few bruises. Okay. One New York meeting house collapsed in 1888 with several of its members sustaining injuries. And due to the nature of the club, many officials believed the event to be a hoax. And it wasn't until many members of the club firmly requested an investigation that the police actually took the matter seriously. Oh, never heard that before. Right. After Fowler's death, 
the 13 Club continued to operate, and in 1891, the New York branch started to invite women to join their ranks. Finally. How many years after the first one? Nine years. Yep, not 13. Not 13. See, I would have joined this because each female attendee was given a tiny glass bottle of perfume that had a human skull-shaped stopper. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I want one. A few years later, in 1893, a group of 13 women started their own chapter in Iowa. Where in Iowa? I couldn't find out. The article that like had all that information that was like linked to everywhere, it's a dead link to the New York Times website. I was oh, like, where? son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it looks as if popularity of the club started to wane in the 20th century. And by the mid-1920s, the only news regarding the 13 Club was included in obituaries of its former members. That's a bit of a bummer. Yeah. And the lasting legacy of the club is that they may be responsible for combining the superstitions surrounding Fridays and the number 13 to create that most ill of omens, Friday the 13th. There we go. And that is the interesting story of the 13 Club. That is interesting. Very strange. Yeah, it's it's definitely something white people would make up. Yeah, it just and I remember reading about Fowler, like apparently he was just this really he really liked social clubs. No, it's very apparent he had he was a part of 13 of them. Like, yeah, he clearly yeah. was a social butterfly. So yep. it only makes sense that he made his own. Yep. And, you know, this social clubs were like the way you would be able to keep in touch with your friends. and. They said that the part of the reason why it grew in popularity so much after the first initial meetings is because he was such kind of a fun guy to be around that people were like, yeah. I really want to go and meet this guy and like see what this is all about. Yeah, he seems like an eccentric, rich person. Yeah. Doing, wasting money on stupid things. That's interesting. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was really fun. Again, I would go just for the perfume bottle and yeah. for and for the the novelty of it. I'd probably dip out on an even number of the courses of food just to like make them mad. <laughs> that reminds me of something. They said on one site that he another reason he wanted to create the club is because I think it was his sister or his sister-in-law made a point of leaving the table if the number of people at the table became 13 and she would always attend gatherings with her daughter, his niece. And mm-hmm. he really enjoyed being able to sit with his niece and talk to her. But if, you know, if she left, the she niece would leave. The niece too. And so he was like, I want to be able to have my niece stay at the table with me. So that was like one of the reasons he wanted to destigmatize the number 13 is so that his niece could stay at the table and hang out with him. And I was like, that's, that's super cute. cute. That is cute. So I couldn't figure out where to weave that into the story, so I didn't include it. That's fair. You took my mother's oldest grandchild from her, and for that I can never forgive you. I hope you, I hope you can deal with what you've done. Just why I hate you! Look at this What's your name, This defendant will never again see freedom. Crimatorium translates to a place where crime resides. Your host, Madeline, guides the listener through sensitive topics 
such as murder, domestic abuse, child neglect, missing persons, and more. Take the next step and subscribe to Crimatorium via your favorite podcast platform. Crimatorium is also available on YouTube. Join me in the place where crime resides. Almost always after I was either physically or in some other way harassed by bullies. So this week's podcast plug is Crimatorium by our friend Madeline. Mm-hmm. She covers a variety of cases in like the true crime realm. Yeah. And they're in a pretty bingeable format because all of her episodes come in around 30 minutes. Nice. It's very, I don't necessarily want to say cut and dry, but it's very like fact-based. Like she just tells the story mm-hmm. get the middle, and she will do epilogues if things to kind of give you the conclusion of what happened as far as the oh, victims nice. or the perpetrators of the crimes. So you kind of know if justice was served or, you know, what the result is of whatever the story was. There. I was binging the episodes, as I just said you could do. And yeah. a lot of them are ones that I have never heard of before, which is kind of cool. Because oh. it's always kind of nice to find a true crime podcast that, you know, kind of is able to encapsulate an entire story in a short period of time without making it seem rushed. Yeah. You know what I mean? That is impressive. So I like it in that respect. And she does all of her own research. You know, she writes and edits her entire podcast on her own. And I think she does a really great job. So that's awesome. We will include a link to her podcast in the show notes. So I hope you will go and give it a listen. Great. And this week's listener question comes from Ariel of the Malice podcast. Okay. This one's going to be hard. No. She (laughs) wants to know what three fictional characters could we combine to get your personality? Oh, I feel like this will be easy for me. <laughs> Patrick Star, Bubbles from the Powerpuff Girls, and Daria. Yeah. Yep. There you go. La 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 la. Little, little. Oh, many people will get that. Oh, God. No. Just don't think too hard. Marceline from Adventure Time. Okay. I was going to say Sailor Moon. She's kind of an idiot. Okay. But she can also get really serious when she wants to. Okay. That's my third one. I'm going to say a lot of people that don't watch anime are going to get this. I'm going to say Bakugo Katsuki from My Hero Academia because he likes to blow up about everything. And I do too. So. Okay. There are times when I will just lose my shit over the littlest things. So that's me. Nice. Oh, thanks, Ariel. Yeah, thanks, Ariel. <laughs> I will uh, have to like combine pictures of the different characters that we picked. Yeah. Patrick, Star, Bubbles, and Daria. I'm really excited. Like a pink Daria with blue. All right. What's something good you'd like to share this week? We already talked about our vaccine, so we can't talk about that we again. We did. We did already talk about our vaccine. That was really good. Uh, well, this week, I, I know I announced kind of like my allergy journey of doing an elimination diet and mm-hmm. trying to do better with that. I have successfully 
done six days out of this episode as of this episode while we're recording. Mm-hmm. And I feel really good. Like my stomach doesn't hurt for the first time in years. Awesome. Like actual years. Because I was freaked out after about like day three when I when there was an absence of pain. I was like what's happening <laughs> is this what normal life is supposed to be like right it's it's so strange because um you know having a chronic illness too there's always some sort of varying pain that's mm-hmm. happening in your body at all times and um stomach pain and was kind of just a constant in my life whether it was from the food i was eating or the ulcers i was developing from anxiety and stress <laughs> internalizing is bad but yeah I I feel really good. And it's uh, one small victory is fruity pebbles is a safe food for me. And so is butter and marshmallows. So I made marshmallow crispies with fruity pebbles and they're freaking delicious. And it made me feel normal. And it's awesome. Nice. That's a good thing. What about you? What's a good thing for you? I am relearning how to ride a skateboard. Ooh. Is this that, like, have you skateboarded at all after your nasty fall? Um, Like last summer? Oh, I should probably, okay. So I'm going to back up just a minute (laughs) to give some context to this. So my husband took up skateboarding, I think it was the year before quarantine. So it was back in 2019. And after a while, after like getting really good and comfortable on longboards, he ordered a one wheel. And for those of you that don't know what a one wheel is, it is the same thing as a skateboard, but it is motorized and just has, like it sounds like, one giant wheel. And it's like the wheel is in the center, it's covered by mm-hmm. like shield, and then you put your feet on either side of it. It's kind of like those mm-hmm. one bouncy things that had like the platform on them when we so were it's kids. It's like a, an automatic unicycle. Yeah, pretty much. Where you stand instead of sit. Yep. And... Last year, my oldest was learning how to skateboard, and she got pretty good at it. And this year, she's even more comfortable doing it because she went snowboarding this past winter with my husband. So she's Mm -hmm. a lot more comfortable on the board. And as of this recording, she now has her own one wheel. It is a smaller version of the one that my husband has. It's called a pint instead of the full-size one. And I actually was able to stand on it and use it a little bit with assistance from my husband because I don't have the best balance, but it feels a lot more comfortable to me to use that size versus the one that he has, which Mm -hmm. makes sense considering he's a full foot taller than I am and he's bigger than me. And my youngest is also learning how to skateboard and she, Mm -hmm. she has her own mini person size skateboard that now has the electric motor attached to it Mm -hmm. so she can use a little remote control to make it go faster and speed down and slow down so she's been using that and getting more comfortable with it i am trying to get more comfortable with being on a skateboard considering last summer when we first started quarantine i started to learn how to skateboard and then i thought sure i can go down this hill even though i've only been skateboarding for a week and do it without any protective gear because that's super smart. And because I am 36 years old and I'm super smart. Mm-hmm. I wiped out once and 
thankfully did not hit my head or land on my wrists. The second time it was a little bit more severe. I ended up going into the grass, which it wasn't really grass so much as it was gravel and sticks and leaves. <laughs> and I landed mm-hmm. on my right side and skidded pretty far on my thigh and my elbow and ended up kind of hurting myself pretty, pretty bad. I didn't break anything, yeah. but I like was bruised pretty bad and then hobbled for a few days after that. So after that, I understandably was like, I don't want to skateboard for a while. Yeah. Right. Does that hurt? But yeah. I'm getting really back cool. into it. Yeah. That's awesome. It'd be nice. My goal is to be able to skateboard comfortably by the end of the summer. That's a good goal. So so that's my something good. I was able to successfully awesome. get back on the horse, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The horsepower. Shall we? We shall. You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at Yield Crime Pod and on Instagram at Yield Crime Podcasts. We are on YouTube. You can find us by searching for Yield Crime Podcasts. We also have a P.O. Box where you can write to us at Yield Crime Podcasts, P.O. Box 341, Wyoming, Minnesota, 55092. You can mm-hmm. email us at yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions, your funny gifts, whatever. I had put out on social before we recorded this episode. We are looking for submissions for our 50th episode, and those could be written or recorded just to conclude kind of what you guys think and what you have to say about the show, what you've liked over the past 49 episodes, which is crazy to think that it'll be 50 in a few weeks and just kind of hear what you have to say. So it'd be great if you'd be willing to send stuff like that to us. Another way that you can support the show for free would be to leave a rating and review. Again, Mm -hmm. since this is still in April, the best platform to do this on would be on Podchaser because they are doing a fundraiser in April for Meals on Wheels. They will donate 25 cents for every review that is left on the platform. And they will double that donation if the podcast that is reviewed responds to the review. So Mm -hmm. we will be responding to every review that we receive. I have been slowly but surely going through and leaving reviews from my fellow podcasters out there so we can do our part as well. Yep. And speaking of reviews, this is a review from Acorbello92 from Apple Podcasts. And they say, awesome. Five stars. (laughs) I love listening to crime tales that have some history to them. Great job. Nice. Thank you. Sweet. Thank you. That was really great. Mm Mm-hmm. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Buy Me a Coffee, where you can leave a one-time donation. You can also join our Patreon for as low as a dollar a month to enjoy early ad-free access to our episodes. Obviously, if you join at the $5, 10 or $15 tiers, you'll get more benefits. Mm-hmm. And as we mentioned last week, Public is having a sale every week this month. So their next sale okay. will be April 22nd to the 24th where you can enjoy 35% off everything in the store. I will do my best to have some more merch designs up by the time this episode comes out. We'll see if that happens. I'm not going to promise yeah. anything because time is precious. It's extra work for you. So it is. <laughs> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> so we'll see. It might be a surprise. <laughs> Please. And on that note, as always, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Maddie. And we'll see you next time with another tale. As old as crime. <laughs>